For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Americans, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, and I'm glad to have you with me. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Special announcement for those of you in the metro Atlanta area listening on my flagship station, WSB. You're stuck with me till 7 o'clock tonight. Yes, I started at noon. I will end at 7. I do have an hour from 3 to 4 to go grab something to eat. Um, But yeah, I'll be on radio this evening. So uh, looking forward to having a George-only show. So it'll be lots of stuff about Georgia, upcoming legislative session, things happening in the metro Atlanta area. Uh, None of the national stuff. Right now, though, it is the national stuff. And the phone number is 877-973-7425. I have a copy of Claudine Gay's resignation letter. I should read you a portion of it. In looking forward to the moment which is intended to terminate the career of my public life, my feelings do not permit me to suspend the deep acknowledgement of the debt of gratitude which I owe to my beloved Harvard for the many honors it has conferred upon me, still more for the steadfast confidence with which it has supported me and for the opportunities I have thence enjoyed of manifesting my invaluable attachment by services faithful and preserving, though in useful, unequal to my zeal. If benefits have resulted to our university from these services, let it always be remembered to your praise. And as an instructive example in our annals that every under every circumstance in which the passions agitated in every direction were liable to mislead amidst appearances, sometimes dubious, vicissitudes of fortune, often discouraging in situations in which not unfrequently one of success has countenanced the spirit of criticism. That's... Washington's farewell address. Just changed the words from country to Harvard. (laughs) I mean, she might as well plagiarize her resignation letter. She's plagiarized everything else. (laughs) All right. We got to move on. Um, There's a a story. I put it in the show notes today. Uh, It's actually a pretty big deal. And let me read you this from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, This is from the editorial board of the Wall Street Journal, so it's not the news article. uh, And it should be, and you will note, you will note how few news articles have talked about this. The U.S. military isn't packed with violent extremists. That's the gist of a new report commissioned by the Pentagon in 2021 and released quietly with little notice in December. 
The result won't surprise Americans who have spent time in uniform, but it should calm the media frenzy about right-wing radicals in the armed forces. After reports that some service members participated in the January 6th riot, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin ordered an independent study to get greater fidelity on extremism in the ranks. The think tank tasked with the report, the Institute for Defense Analyses, quote, found no evidence that the number of violent extremists in the military is disproportionate to U.S. society. A review of Pentagon data suggested fewer than 100 substantiated cases per year of extremist activity by members of the military in recent years, the report says. The figure could include a range of conduct and ideological bent, not simply the white supremacy floated in the press. Take court-martials. Researchers found that the prevalence of extremist and gang-related activity that are reflected in court-martial opinions is limited to fewer than 20 cases since 2012. Gang activity isn't typically political, and excluding those cases, the number falls to one year, one a year. One useful conclusion is that the military doesn't need a new section of the Uniform Code of Military Justice to punish what few extremist criminal cases exist. Researchers note that commanders can rely on Article 116, riot or breach of peace, Article 88, contempt toward officials, Article 109, destruction or damage to property, Article 115, communication of threats, among others, such as assault. Even the January 6th story isn't what you've heard. The independent study commissioned by the Secretary of Defense found that of the more than 700 federal cases in which charges were publicly available a year after these events, fewer than 10 were in the military at the time. There's no evidence that service members were charged at a different rate than the members of the general population. The picture changes when veterans are included, though the Pentagon doesn't command former service members who are civilians. But the inquisition into extremism does polarize the active force. Researchers deserve credit for noting that the risk to the military from widespread polarization and division in the ranks may be a greater risk than the radicalization of a few service members. Now, there's greater importance here than even what this lets on. And it's something that's got to be said. You need to understand this. Since before January 6, 2021, the media has pushed a left-leaning narrative that the military is fueled with white supremacy and extremism. After January 6, the media pushed out a narrative that a lot of the people who participated were in the military or had a military background. This forced the Secretary of Defense to ask an outside independent reviewer to review and report back on extremism in the military. That independent analysis finds that only 10 or fewer of the people charged on January 6, 2021 were in the military, and in fact, that there were less than 100 extremist incidents in the military, and that includes gang violence, not just political extremism. So less than 100, including gang violence. In other words, the military is not fueled with white supremacy, unlike prevailing narratives pushed by the left in the media and embraced by Democrats. This report came out quietly over Christmas 
and you will note how very few media outlets have been willing to report this, and these same media outlets have disproportionately covered the supposed white nationalism and conservative political extremism in the military, which the Department of Defense's own review now says isn't true. So much of this is about the narrative. The truth does not matter. The narrative matters. The storytelling matters. Dave Chappelle is out with a, another uh, stand-up comedy act. Um, it's on Netflix. I have watched it. Um, and I, 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 it did not feel long. It was an hour, but it didn't feel long. Dave Chappelle was attacked for uh, jokes about transgenderism. He was making some, some good points. And a clip has surfaced of his latest Netflix uh, stand-up. I, I watched the whole thing. And he starts with a story about how he went to meet Jim Carrey, who he adored, had never met before. Jim Carrey was playing Andy Kaufman. Uh, and Jim Carrey wanted to live his life as Andy Kaufman. And when you addressed Jim Carrey, you had to address him as Andy Kaufman, even though he was clearly Jim Carrey. And Dave Chappelle ends with, and that's how I feel about the trans community. If you read headlines about Dave Chappelle's latest stand-up act, you will hear that it is a nonstop bashing of transgenders. If you watch it, you will find that in an hour, maybe, maybe seven minutes total. He spends a good bit of time telling hilarious uh, jokes about handicapped people. <laughs> you you got to watch it to get it. it. It's not for everyone. The language is really bad. It's Dave Chappelle. I found it very funny. He's a storyteller. And what's so interesting is how he tells stories, weaving different points together, falling back on old punchlines to make an even funnier joke. He's a comedian, and he's the best in his game. Whether you like him or not, he is arguably the best stand-up comedian out there. And it's funny to hear him, hear him praise Chris Rock as the best when Dave Chappelle is inarguably the greatest stand-up comedian alive today. It's just true, whether you like him or not. But he's a storyteller. And what I find so remarkable is the storytelling about him and his stand-up is so defensive of the transgender community and so distorting of what he's actually doing on stage. If you listen to Dave Chappelle's last stand-up act, The Closer, or this one, The Dreamer, you come away with the fact that if you actually pay attention to what he's saying, while he's not down with embracing transgenderism per se, he recognizes these are people going through something, and a lot of them are brave for putting it on public display. Whether he agrees with it or not, clearly there's somebody going through something and you got to show them some empathy. That's not actually what you hear in the public, what you hear in the public is that Dave Chappelle hates transgender people and he uses them as the butt of jokes. Oh, there are some very funny jokes, and they are the one constituency group in, on the planet that uh, has no sense of humor at all, even more so than the feminists. I mean, at least feminists will occasionally laugh deeply in uncomfortable shoes, but the transgender community has no sense of humor at all. 
and so he makes fun of them in a limited degree, and it blows up with these stories about how Dave Chappelle has spent an entire hour on Netflix bashing transgenders. I I mean, I, I, I watched for it, and there just wasn't a lot there, and you wouldn't know that from reading the media. Now tie this back into this military extremism story. The media for three years has told us that the United States military is filled with white supremacists, nationalists, and extremists, racists, all these things. The media has told us that. There have been stories on every major news network except Fox News. There have been stories in every major media outlet, media publication about the extremism in the military. So Lloyd Austin, Joe Biden, Secretary of Defense, not Donald Trump, Secretary of Defense, Joe Biden, Secretary of Defense, commissions an outside analysis, and it turns out military is not filled with extremists. In fact, when you take out gang violence, which is an example of extremism in the military, there are less than 100 cases of extremism in the military. It's remarkable. When you take out gang violence, cases of extremism fall to one a year since 2012. But that's not the narrative you hear because it's not the sexy narrative. It's not the narrative the media wants you to believe. The media from the left wants you to believe Dave Chappelle is a trans hater who only tells jokes about the trans community. The media wants you to believe that the military is filled with a bunch of white nationalist extremists. Neither is true, but the narrative doesn't shift despite the facts. I watched the Chappelle stand-up. He actually makes a joke for all you people who are coming for the trans jokes. I'm sorry, we're going to talk about, we're going to make jokes about the disabled people tonight. And, and it's like, can you imagine the guy in the back, the disabled guy's like, I was coming for the trans jokes, not jokes about me. <laughs> Very funny. It's, but it's the same thing, though. The media only cares about telling you narratives. They don't care about telling you truth. They care about storytelling, and they will leave facts out. My job, I view it, my job in my radio show is to give you all the facts so you can make up your mind yourself. I'm not here to tell you what to think. I'm here to give you all the facts of the relevant news stories of the day. People ask me all the time, now, what do you read? I don't read for pleasure anymore. I got my Bible actually sitting right here. I'm trying to at least read a chapter a day. I mean, I got to read more than that, but... Um, uh, that that's about the only book outside of the news that I'm reading right now. I'll read more. I read cookbooks. I don't read. I don't cook out of cookbooks. I read cookbooks for inspiration and how to do stuff and blending of uh, blending of, of herbs and spices and all that sort of stuff and flavor profiles. But I read the news of the left, right, and center news from the Epoch Times to the New York Times and everything in between, just to try to uh, synthesize the news to figure out what's happening because the left and the right both leave facts out. Because both have a narrative to tell you. I just want to give you the facts. I just want to give you the truth. And the truth of the matter is that our national media, left, right, and center, is way more about telling you stories that fit a narrative pattern than telling you the whole truth of what's going on in the world. And all sides are tending to mislead people now for political agendas. And if you can't think for yourself but must be spoon-fed from your favorite media source, you're not a very productive citizen when it comes to stewarding this country forward. We've all got to do better.
He'll do the research and give it to you straight. Eric Erickson is live every weekday. Want to be on the show? Come on, be on the show. Call Eric now at 877-973-7425. Hello, welcome. It's Eric Erickson, the phone number, 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, the phone lines are open. As always, text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. And you'll be able to uh, get the show notes, the live stream, the podcast, all that for when you're traveling. Um, there's a say my buddy Greg just sent me this. Uh, in 2023, the District of Columbia's deadliest year in more than two decades, 40 homicides per 100,000 residents with victims in every ward from babies to the elderly. The nation's capital recorded more homicides in 2023 than in any year since 1997, giving the district the fifth highest murder rate among the nation's biggest cities. The 274 confirmed victims ranged from infants to octogenarians. They were killed in homes, in metro stations, and in motor vehicles. They were killed in alleys, in school zones, and in public parks. They were slain on streets by acquaintances and strangers and in the crossfire of warring neighborhood crews in double shootings and triple shootings. They died in the dark and the dawn and under the midday sun in all parts of Washington from its poorest precincts to its busiest commercial and nightlife areas. To illustrate the human dimension of the violence, the Washington Post compiled a comprehensive list of the casualties, a month-to-month tally of who the victims were, how they died, and where, while also examining the broader trends of the city's 2023 homicide crisis. This district has just largely ceded its ability to govern itself, and maybe Congress needs to take back governance and crack down on crime. It is remarkable to me how bad it's gotten. I'm supposed to, at the beginning of March, be gone for, I think, two days. I got to go with my son on his class trip. So uh, my son doesn't want to take the bus. We're going to fly up. Uh, We'll meet the class in D.C. I'll do the show on Monday, take off Tuesday and Wednesday, be back on Thursday, come home Thursday night, be back on Friday as well. Uh, sometime in March, and everybody's a little bit concerned about the trip because, you know, in it used to be that, like in most cities, you know where not to go. The problem is that in Washington, D.C., it's everywhere. There are certainly places that are more prone to violence, but it's everywhere, even Capitol Hill. You get carjacked all over the city. You get carjacked on Pennsylvania Avenue down from the White House murdered around Chinatown and and Capitol Hill, uh, trendier neighborhoods, D.C. just forgot how to police itself. It's not really that they forgot. They decided they didn't want to. They thought it was racist to crack down on crime. And now the criminals are having a field day and turning it into a murder capital for the world. Smart. 
fearless and occasionally funny. You're listening to The Eric Erickson Show. Hello, how are you? Welcome. Glad to have you with me across the nation. The phone number 877-973-7425. So I have a, a, a special announcement, and I mentioned this before. I have a new book coming out. You shall be as gods. And it essentially walks you through how modern secularism, uh, particularly among the progressive set, has become its own religion, has all the defining characteristics of religion and also what to do about it. Um, If we don't have the pre-order set up yet, we're going through the initial editing process. Uh, we should shortly be able to to have the advanced cover. The cover looks great. Uh, I've written three books in the past. This is the best-looking cover. Can't wait for you to see it. Um, if you want to be notified for the pre-order, if you text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777, when we're able to let you pre-order, I will send you back a link, and you'll be able to get that um, done. Uh, in the next week, I'll have the details about the gathering uh, coming up in August, uh, and we'll be able to, to start getting you uh, early reserve for that as well. Now, if you listen to the show regularly, and I'm saying this a lot because, one, it's reset. It is the first day I'm back since Christmas, and also we've got a number of new stations that have come in uh, in just the last couple of months. So we got Lafayette, Louisiana in there now. We've got St. Louis, Missouri. We've got Kansas City, Missouri now. We've got Grand Forks, North Dakota. Uh, We continue to grow around the country. I talk about foreign affairs probably more than most other conservative talk show hosts. One, because I grew up overseas. Uh, I grew up in Dubai. And uh, two, because I think it's actually a very important issue that oftentimes gets ignored because we want to fight all the culture war all the time. And look, I'm, I'm totally fine. I'm an evangelical Jesus-loving culture warrior. I am totally happy to fight the culture war, but occasionally you got to talk about a little more. Um, I continue to be fixated on the news that's coming out of China that's not good. Uh, and it's good for us to a degree, uh, except that it makes it more destabilizing. There's a big story today in the Wall Street Journal. China is pressing women to have more babies. Many are saying no. They've had it. Fed up with the government harassment and weary of the sacrifices of child rearing, Many young women are putting themselves ahead of what Beijing and their families want. Their refusal has set off a crisis for the Communist Party, which desperately needs more babies to rejuvenate China's aging population. With the number of babies in freefall, fewer than 10 million will be born in 2022, compared with 16 million in 2012, China is headed towards a demographic collapse. China's population now around 1.4 billion with a B, is likely to drop to just under half a billion by 2100, less than 100 years from now, according to some projections. And women are taking the blame. In October, Xi Jinping urged the state-backed 
All-China Women's Federation to prevent and resolve risks in the women's field, according to an official account of the speech. It's clear he was not talking about risks faced by women, but considering women as a major threat to social stability, says Clyde Yiching Wang, an assistant professor of politics at Washington and Lee University. The state council, China's top government body, didn't respond to questions about population proposals. Outside a mall in Guangzhou, a county in Anhu province, He Yanjing, a mother of two, said she'd gotten several calls from community officials to encourage her to have a third child. She has no such plans. The preschool her son attended cut the number of classrooms in half because there aren't enough children to fill them, she said. Her friend, Feng Chinchin, the mother of a three-year-old girl, said relatives are pressuring her to have more children, hoping she has a boy. Having had one child, I think I've done my duty, she says. A second child, she said, would be too expensive. She said she tells relatives, I can have another child as long as you give me 300,000 yen or about $41,000. Another young, many young people in China, disheartened by a weak economy and high unemployment, seek alternatives to their parents' lives. Many women view the prescribed formula of marriage and children as a raw deal. Molly Chin, 28 years old, said the demands of caring for aging relatives and her job as an exhibition designer in Shenzhen leave no room for children or even a husband. All she wants to do in her free moment is read or look at pet videos. <laughs> even China has cat ladies. <laughs> Chin followed the story of Su Min, a retiree who video blogged about her solo road trip around China to escape a bad marriage. Chin said that the story, as well as online videos the women post about their lives, have deepened her impression that many men choose wives mostly as caretakers for children, husbands, and both sets of aging parents. You know, the hilarious thing here is that China is pushing this to our kids through TikTok. China is pushing videos on TikTok that show American girls they shouldn't get married because they'll have to be caretakers. The problem, of course, here is that the chickens are coming home to roost for China. For years, they had the one-child policy. Do you know when they got rid of the one-child policy? Just so you understand here, the one-child policy was you have one kid in China, and if you got pregnant with the second child, they would roll up the abortion van, drag you into it, and force you into an abortion. Like they would forcibly abort your baby whether you wanted them to or not. That was the one-child policy in China. So now you got a bunch of single kids in China who have two parents are going to have to take care of. They don't want to have kids. It's the chickens coming home to roost for the Chinese. It's a totalitarian society on the verge of a population collapse because of their totalitarian policies. Now there's this. Kaijin is China's leading commercial press. Kaijin is a business press. It is read by China's leadership. It is one of the few publications in China that self-censures such that the government doesn't censor it. It's a party player. It's a team player. It published an editorial on Christmas Day, revisiting reality-based thinking. That's a day before Mao Zedong's 130th anniversary. It immediately got censored. The editorial 
noted that 45 years ago, at the end of the Cultural Revolution in the 1970s, the Chinese economy was on the verge of collapse, but the Chinese government insisted everything was good and that better days were ahead. Chinese leaders, including Deng Xiaoping, demonstrated, according to this paper, resolve, compelling grit, and amazing wisdom to liberate the country's collective psyche from Maoism stranglehold. The 1979 Third Plenum Chinese leaders set the tone for reality-based thinking that provided political cover for people to ask questions they were not allowed to ask before, to dare to ask questions, and to talk about issues they dared not talk about before. And that began a period of economic modernization. To revisiting that history, Kaijin's editorial opened a can of worms by noting that we're back in the same problem we had with Mao. The government's preaching fundamentalism and dogmatism divorced from reality, and there's a pure fantasy-based governance and economic policies where you're not even allowed to talk publicly about the bad economic news that's happening. What's notable about this is that this publication was at the forefront of China's economic boom and had the blessings of Xi Jinping early on in his administration, had a lot of high-level backing. It published this editorial on Christmas Day and was immediately censored by the government, which suggests that even the political patrons of this publication don't have the power to stop Xi Jinping anymore and that Xi Jinping really does want to abandon the market reforms that have propped up China. Now, that all gets to the third story from The Voice of America. China has appointed Dong Yong a former commander of the Chinese Navy, as its defense minister. The announcement by the Standing Committee on China's rubber stamp parliament comes two months after the removal of former Chinese defense minister Li Shang-Fu for his role without explanation. Dong is not a member of the Chinese Communist Party's Central Military Commission. His appointment suggests he might actually just be a figurehead allowing Xi Jinping to rule everything. Li Shengfu, the old defense minister, was ousted because of alleged corruption. The reality is that he was believed to be too friendly to his Western counterparts, to have spoken to the United States, and possibly to have leaked military intelligence to the United States. These stories are three distinct stories, but they're all related to a China that's in decline. The elite in this country that have gotten everything wrong of late are convinced that China's on the rise, that our days are numbered. When you look at what's going on, the Minister for State, the Minister for Defense, Minister of Intelligence, they've all been purged. They're now figurehead yes-men for Xi Jinping in charge. Women in China are being pressured. Women in China are being called a threat to Chinese society for their unwillingness to have children. One of the most pro-communist party business publications is now being censored for suggesting things are going too far out of control. This is a nation in decline. And Xi Jinping, I'm willing to bet he's not a dumb man. I'm willing to bet he knows it. Now, here's the problem for you and me. When a nation is in decline 
and becomes economically unstable. What do the leaders in those countries, particularly when they're authoritarians or totalitarians, what do they do? They go to war. Why? Because these regimes, and communist China is no different, they foster a level of nationalism. They make everything about the good of the country. And young men, and particularly single young men, with a lot of time on their hands, because women ain't getting married in China. A lot of them were aborted when they were, uh, when they were in the womb. These young men will rally to war as a way to distract them from the problems in their homeland. Xi Jinping, for his New Year's public address, said Taiwan and China will be reunited. The man is going to invade Taiwan. He's going to start a war. And the problem for you and me is that many Americans will say, there's nothing for us there. We should leave Taiwan alone. But if you pay attention to Xi Jinping's rhetoric. He doesn't want to be a regional hegemon. He wants to be the world's superpower. He wants Guam. We own that. He wants the Marshall Islands. We own that. He wants Midway Island. We own that. He wants the outer Hawaiian Islands. That's not our territory, that's our state. He wants the Philippines. They're our ally. This becomes a war of Chinese expansion done to avoid Xi Jinping losing power at home. As China gets weaker, as it becomes more of a communist totalitarian regime, its capabilities get degraded because whistleblowers die. I mean, you had their their fancy new destroyer broke in half and burn up a couple weeks ago. Earlier this year, their latest, greatest technologically advanced aircraft carrier literally split in half. They're not as strong as they as they claim to be. They're not as strong as our elites would have you believe. And also, their military hasn't been battle-tested. Ours has. But it's still a dangerous thing. A declining China is actually probably more dangerous than a rising China. But make no mistake about it, despite what you may hear in the American press and among the elite in Washington, D.C., All of the signs point to China being a nation in decline. And if we're smart, we will use our economic advantages to help them decline further and put them in a position where they don't have the military clout to invade Taiwan. Our problem is that we have a doddering old fool as president of the United States, and I don't think either of the 80-year-olds running for president are really capable to focus on China the way it needs to be focused on. You can follow Eric around on social media at E.W. Erickson on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. And check him out at EWerickson.com. Want Eric's weekly recipes? They're super delicious. Text recipe to 33777 now. Hello, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, well, it's too late. We're almost out of time. Oh, well, that's okay. We've got lots more we need to talk about, though, before we even get out of here. Um, so we, I made it this far, and now we got to revisit a very old story. So at the end of January of last year, I had to go to an off-the-record meeting 
in Palm Springs, California, where I got to go again uh, in a couple of weeks. And I was just landing out there, and these stories about this balloon somewhere over, coming over the United States, a, a, the Chinese spy balloon. Now, what I find notable and remarkable about the whole situation was how so many in the, I mean, the mountainous regime, mountainous regime, the mountainous region of uh, the United States where it was flying over Alaska and Canada and stuff, and the military was just absolutely concerned about a debris field. They didn't want to shoot it down. They were following it. Well, at the end of this year now, in the beginning of this year, we now learn that the balloon had more to it and that the Biden administration did not just want to lie to you and me, but wanted to lie to Congress. This is one of the most remarkable revelations in the story from NBC News. The Biden administration, this is a, this is, let me read you this quote. Administration officials at first hoped to conceal the balloon's existence from the public and from Congress. According to multiple former and current administration and congressional officials, before it was spotted publicly, there was an intention to study it and let it pass over and not ever tell anyone about it. They wanted to even hide its existence from Congress. Um, that's a little bit a bridge too far. Not only that, it turns out the reason that the balloon stopped transmitting was not because we were jamming. That's what we were told. The Biden administration at the time, if you will recall, said that it was jamming the balloon so that it could not transmit. Actually, now, a year later, they're willing to admit that when word got out there was a Chinese spy balloon, the Chinese stopped using the balloon. They stopped transmitting from it. Not only that, oh, wait, no, no, there's more. How was the balloon transmitting? We were initially told that the balloon was using some sort of satellite relay system to relay information back to China. Turns out the Chinese spy balloon was hacking American telecom infrastructure and running high-speed data bursts over our Internet systems to send them back to China. Now, that made for us to be able to intercept them, of course. But so much of what we were told at the time was a lie. And only now, over Christmas week, is the White House willing to admit they were trying to hide the existence even from Congress. But some good old boy with a telescope in Montana happened to see the thing and realized it was up to no good and alerted the media, and it became the story the Biden administration did not want. They lied through their teeth. If they'll lie about this, what else are they willing to lie about? A great many things, including what's happening and not happening in the Red Sea and in Israel when it comes to dealing with Iran and Hamas, where they continue to lose allies in their inability to, to figure out how to handle the situation. We'll talk about that tomorrow. You guys have a great rest of the day. Happy New Year. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. 
With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.